When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Alan Steinfeld, the author of Making Contact, which is an exploration of the UFO phenomena that is becoming a reality. And you're hearing me on the Dr. Sky Experience, and you're listening to Talk Radio 77 WABC. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Talk Radio 77 WABC, the crown jewel of radio, as we like to call it, the iconic 77 Talk Radio 77 WABC, broadcasting proudly out of New York City, around the nation, around the world, and I'm quite confident, even out to the universe. You're listening to the Dr. Sky Experience with great guests from the realms of astronomy, space, aviation, and weather, and so much more with celebrity guests in the mix. And today, folks, a very special guest. In light of all the things that have been happening in the world of ufology and all these revelations that are coming from whistleblowers, we thought it appropriate to bring on a gentleman who's no stranger to this particular topic. His name is Alan Steinfeld. He's the author of a brand new book entitled Making Contact, Preparing for the New Realities of Extraterrestrial Existence. His background reads like this. Alan Steinfeld is an explorer of consciousness. Over 30 years, he has hosted and produced the weekly television series, New Realities in New York City. Additionally, with 68,000 subscribers to his YouTube channel of the same name, there have been over 20 million views who have seen his programs. These include interviews with luminaries in the fields of health, spirituality, and UFOs, such as Deepak Chopra, Marianne Williamson, Ram Dass, and every major UFO researcher in the field. With his media appearances, lectures, and conferences, he informs millions about the human potential, remote viewing, and the nature of alien contact. And finally, for the over five years, he has emceed the largest UFO event in the country that's contact in the desert. He feels that only when the inner explorations of the soul are combined with the outer adventures of the mind can we achieve our harmonious understanding of our place in the cosmos. Alan, it's a long time we haven't seen each other since the event in Sedona. For uh, George Norrie and Coast to Coast. Good to be with you. How are you today? It's great to be with you, Steve. I told you when I saw you, I've been a fan of yours. Was it since the 1980s when I heard you on WBAI? I said, who's this guy talking about the stars with this incredible presentation? So uh, I'm happy to be here with you. Well, thank you so much for the kind comments. And also, again, this journey that we're going to take today. You know, it's amazing when people go get this book here, and it's amazing as it talks about in the opening part of the book, and I'll read it, and I quote, take a peek into forever, where the spirit of adventure transcend the boundaries of belief and reveal the unknown. Simply, it awaits your discovery. Let's talk a little bit more about your interest in this subject, Alan. The bio that I read certainly doesn't do total justice. 
how did you get involved in this particular subject? And now, even more appropriate and important than ever before. Well, you know, I think it's similar to you, Steve. You are Dr. Sky. You are fascinated by the sky. You're fascinated because there's something, I, I, I suppose, something unknown, mysterious, in a way unfathomable about outer space. But that's just the movement as far as I'm interested in the mechanisms. What, how do we understand the nature of a bigger reality that maybe we're part of a cosmos that includes other intelligence and other lives? And as we know from the history historic moment we, many of us witnessed yesterday in front of the, in the congressional hearings, this is a reality. We are not mm -hmm. alone in the universe. And wow. the U.S. has crashed retrievals, reverse engineers, probably bodies. And um, how do we integrate that into our reality is the biggest, I think, intellectual, cognitive uh, um, milestone we need to pass at this point in our history. That's my fascination. That's well, you preamble. say it so well, Alan. And just to remind listeners, you're listening to the Dr. Sky Experience. We're proud to be on Talk Radio 77 WABC, as we like to call it, Alan. And you know it well, being a native New Yorker, the crown jewel of radio. And it's interesting going back to our yeah. Okay. <laughs> hey, there you go. Assuming that there are reasons why not all this should be made public, this has been around for a long period of time. Um, can you think of, can any of the three of you think of any reason why anything related to uh, UAPs, say, 15 years and back should not be immediately made public? I think one of it is uh, acknowledging um, a vulnerability, both from a collection and I'll just say a you know countermeasure perspective. So it's uh, we'll say, not we haven't cracked for many years. Yeah, even say twenty years back, is there any reason why when you go back that far things shouldn't be made public? Unless it shows a specific national security vulnerability as it relates uh, to a weakness in okay. a particular defense system. Oh, Mr. Grush, in your complaint to the intelligence community, Inspector, you Inspector General, you claim that you believe information is being hidden. What kind of information do you think was hidden and do you think it should remain hidden? Yes, I can speak to that very briefly in an unclassified manner. As you know, the preponderance of my complaint was classified to the intelligence communities. Uh, both uh, material acquisition and exploitation activity, um, also uh, baselining the UAPs but not sharing it with you know, intelligence professionals that are actually doing step briefs to pilots, uh, that, that kind of information. Hey, going back to our meeting that we had in uh, Sedona, I was so impressed, and I'm sure you were, with the quality and quantity of the kind of individuals that came there, what? Trying to see how we could open everybody's mind to these realities. And your book is fascinating. You have 11 chapters that go into so many different subjects. And the time permitting today, of course, we want people to go get a copy of your book. And once again, this book, folks, really belongs on your bookshelf. If you're even, let's put it this way, right, Alan? Even if you're just a beginner, and having even a glimmer of interest in this subject of alien connection, contact, extraterrestrials, making contact, preparing for the new realities of extraterrestrial existence, it belongs on everybody's bookshelf to do the reading. But Alan, before we get into your book, let's talk a little bit about this particular event that happened in Washington, D.C., timely for this interview with you. We see the House mm -hmm. Oversight Committee interviews. I almost couldn't believe it. I'm hearing interviews from individuals that are actually telling us some amazing things. Just give us a thumbnail sketch of what was, what was involved with this particular hearing, 
give us an idea of some of the individuals that were there to testify, mm-hmm. and then we can go into some more details as we move on. Right. And as it, this hearing was for finally, I think it was probably the most historic moment of Congress interviewing people who worked for the military, who either seen UFOs, David Fravor chased this famous craft called the TikTok in 2004. Mm-hmm. There was documents of that released by the New York Times in 2017. He testified about what he saw. Uh, there's a guy named David Grush, and he really dropped a bombshell on June 5th when he came out as a whistleblower to the debrief and then to Ross Coulter and now to the public saying there's things going on in the Pentagon that are keeping secrets about this phenomenon from Congress and the public. Now, that was major, and I think part of the secrets and some of what was exposed yesterday, but much more needs to be exposed. That, and that's why I wrote the book. Nobody has a complete understanding of what's going on. So I have essays from 11 different people who've studied this phenomena uh, most of their lives, and we're getting different perspectives on who these beings are, why they're here, what's that technology. And there's not a disagreement, but it's like mm-hmm. everyone has a piece of the elephant. And and what we're hearing from Congress and the Pentagon, in my understanding, is that they don't know what's happening. Politicians don't know. Scientists don't know. We are facing the greatest enigma human civilization has ever encountered. And it is exciting. It's challenging. So I needed to prepare people. And this is a book that I wrote, Making Contact, for beginners. It's for how do we size up a phenomenon that makes no sense in the reality we have learned exists. And it doesn't. It, there's no place to put it. So John Mack, who wrote a chapter in, in my book, he's no longer with us, but I got uh, permission to mm-hmm. publish an, un, an un, previous unpublished essay, said this is a ontological problem. It's a crisis about the nature of reality and who we are. And what we saw yesterday at the hearings with um, uh, Ryan Graves, who also saw UFOs above, I, I think, the mm-hmm. USS Princeton, David Fravor, and, and David Grush, is that this is a real, and we have no place and no way to understand it unless we start to assimilate a cognitive function within our view of the world and change our worldviews to include something other than humans. This yes. is the challenge and the excitement we're at. Well, you say it so well. Our special guest is Alan Steinfeld here on the Dr. Sky Experience, Making Contact, the name of the book. And he dedicates his book to brave pioneers such as Bud Hopkins, John Mack, as he mentioned, Whitley Strieber, Linda Moulton Howe. And there's a quote here. You, of course, put it in your book. And if you don't mind me sharing it, and I quote, this one's from Victor Hugo. And here we go. Quote, there is only one thing more powerful than all the armies in the world. And that is an idea whose time has come. End quote. How apropos for the subject that we're talking about, about opening people's minds to ideas. Mr. Grush, what about you? What was your experience after you came forward? Well, uh, it's only been about two months or so. So I guess my experience has been yeah, overwhelming support from uh, former colleagues of mine that have you know, privately messaged me. And, and I do appreciate that. 
but I, I do have knowledge of um, active planned uh, reprisal activity against myself and other colleagues, and it's very, very upsetting to me. Coming from where? Uh, certain senior leadership at previous agencies I was associated with. And that's all I'll say publicly, but I can provide more details in a closed environment. Yeah, there were certain colleagues of mine that were brutally administratively attacked. And it you know, actually makes me very upset to, as a leader to see that happen to other coworkers and actually superiors of mine over what, the last three years. Uh, I call it administrative terrorism. That's their, their quiver, their tool in the toolbox uh, to silence people, especially you know, the uh, career government service cares about their career, cares about their clearance, uh, their reputation to climb the ladder. And when you threaten that uh, flow, career path, uh, uh, a lot of people back off. Um, but I'm here to represent those people. And with that being said, you have mentioned that there's interdimensional p- potential. Could you expound on that? Uh, and then in terms of uh, multidimensionality, that kind of thing, the, the framework... Uh, that I'm familiar with, for example, is something called the holographic principle. Uh, both, uh, it's, it derives itself from general relativity and uh, quantum mechanics. And that is, if you want to imagine a 3D object such as yourself casting a shadow onto a 2D surface, uh, that's the holographic principle. So you can be projected, quasi-projected from higher dimensional space to lower dimensional. It's a scientific trope that you can actually cross Literally, as far as I understand, but there's probably guys with PhDs that we could probably but, argue about that. But you have not seen any documentation that that's what's occurring. Uh, only a theoretical framework discussion. But, Alan, let's go back to this particular hearing because I watched, you know, very interested, watched it from front to back. You know, as a repeat, I couldn't watch it live. But let's talk a little bit about David uh, Grush. This is interesting. I, I, I really watched the body language. You, you can't get this if you just listen to it. You have to basically watch this and see how his, you know, his facial expressions, his hand movements, his gestures. But here, here's what I'm trying to bring up. Every time the people on the committee go to these certain deep questions, he'll usually say, and I say this, I can't discuss that in an open session. So this is interesting where I was a little bit disappointed. I didn't, I didn't, I would hope he would give us information, but I guess he's under restrictions. But Describe this process of what they call a skiff. In other words, the Congress, the people that were there, they apparently either know or will know so much more than what the public is being told. And when he said that apparently they've collected not only artifacts, meaning spacecraft, you know, UFOs, as we used to call them, the actual spacecraft, but maybe beings that are non-human. I mean, I was just totally aghast. But the point I'm trying to bring up and have you comment on is when they keep saying, and he keeps saying this, I can't discuss that in an open session. Do you ever think we'll ever hopefully get to these answers when these congressmen and congresswomen get to hear some of this stuff? They know all about this, I'm sure. Let's hope the truth comes out. What say you? Well, I was just as frustrated as you because this was supposed to be a meeting for UFO, UAP transparency. Right. I can explain the difference later. And there wasn't a transparency. There was some. I mean, he said there are people mm-hmm. who probably were injured by e- mm-hmm. uh, these craft. Um, right. He said that we do have bodies, which is like suddenly we are plunged into a science fiction movie because that's right. the only reality we can place this in. But it's not science fiction. It's that the modality of reality has shifted. Yesterday was a turning point in human history. I don't think people realize that. But finally, we have acknowledgement 
that we are not alone in the universe. We've been visited. And of course, my community has suspected that for the last 75 years. But to get the official statement in front of Congress, it just shifts everything we know. So it's really exciting. Yes, special access programs, SCIF, um, or, or SAP, I guess what they call it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, Keeps, it's confidential, but these Congress people represent us, and there's right. no reason that Correct. they should keep this from the public. But you know what? Grush is a whistleblower saying something illegal. Is ha- He's not complaining about the aliens or whatever's out there. He's saying people in the Pentagon are, have this knowledge and are running these programs with outside the laws of Congress without any oversight. There's illegalities going on there. There's probably, I would say, connections to private industry. And I would guess, and I can't know for sure, there's some kickbacks to people in the military. I hope that doesn't get us Mm -hmm. in trouble. But I would say that's probably one of the reasons the Pentagon has closed down its, its, its information to Congress because they don't want... Congress, our lawmakers, to know what's really going on. And this is a constitutional crisis. Forget aliens, Steve. This Mm -hmm. is about what's the law of the land? Who is the commander in chief? We need someone with leadership to come up and say, we want the truth and we want it publicly. Let's roll out the bodies and the craft and let's make sense of this phenomenon that no one understands. As a global civilization, this is the future I hope we have. Oh, I hope you're, you know, I'm, I'm agreeing with you a million and one percent. But unfortunately, when I watch that, I mean, I was getting a little excited in the beginning. And then I hear this, you know, mishmash kind of stuff. Uh, you know, we can't talk about it in an open session. Well, I thought we were going to supposedly hear something in an open session, but I'll respect that. You know, if the whistleblower is threatened or he signed the document where he could go to prison, as he referred to, if he did disclose this, well, let's hope that they keep pressing. In the last couple of years, have you had incidences that have caused you to be in fear for your life for addressing these issues? Yes, personally. I just want everyone to note that he's coming forward in fear of his life to put in perspective, if they were really not scared about this information coming out, why would someone be intimidated like that? You received prior approval from the Defense Department to speak on certain issues, correct? Correct, through uh, DOPSER, DOD Pre-Publication and Security Review. And I just want to remind uh, the public, uh, they're just looking from a security perspective. Uh, These are my own personal views and opinions, uh, not the department's. Okay, I'm, I'm asking that though, mainly because I think that there are many people that would like to discredit you so it does bring a certain amount of credibility to your testimony. I'm required by law to do that as a former intelligence officer or I go to jail for revealing well, classified information. Yeah, we don't want you to yeah. go to jail. <laughs> but here's some of the points that I thought and wanted you to comment on. These are basically four or five of the key you know, summaries of what happened between this congressional hearing. One, government is absolutely in possession of UAPs. I think you kind of covered that. Military. I wouldn't say government, but obviously guys in Congress have no idea what's going on. Military, yeah. You know, the government is not one thing. And one more thing, I just want to say the reason probably he couldn't say in an open hearing because he didn't want to incriminate some of the higher authorities in the Pentagon publicly just like that. I think part of a whistleblower, he has to walk a fine line. So I think that's part of it. But go ahead. What are the points? 
Well, no, I mean, I wanted you to comment on this one. Number two, non-human biologics were found at a crash site. Now, let's go back to places like Roswell, and that's what the story has been told to us over and over. Again, no proof. But again, your commentary on this. I mean, that's big-time information if proven true. That's amazing. That's like earth-shattering. That changes our whole paradigm. Your your comment on that one. Yes, thank you. It's not Well, you know, originally the headline for the Roswell Daily Record was flying saucer crashes in Roswell. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, next day they said, no, 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 we were mistaken. It, it was a weather balloon, which is a story that stuck for a long time. When you say we have no proof, there is proof because supposedly, and I even talked to Edgar Mitchell about this, one of the astronauts mm-hmm. that landed on the moon, he actually grew up in Roswell. And when he came back from the moon... To his hometown, people saying, you know, Edgar, there was time in 1947 where there was these little bodies and, he, and, and they found these bodies. So when you say no proof, no proof publicly, but this is what we're pushing for. We're pushing for the truth, not just hearsay. Right. And that truth has been hidden from the American people in the world. So Roswell is a, I would say, a fact. There's enough evidence to prove that something mm-hmm. happened there. And if you look at the FBI documents, there's, um, the, there's something called the vault, which has all the FBI documents. There's a document yes. called the Guy Huddle Memo from March 22nd, 1950, where they talk about craft, craft, three craft crashing in the desert of New Mexico. And they talk mm-hmm. about the bodies in those craft. So if you search yes. hard enough and deep enough on the Internet, you will find proof. We need to see this in public and no longer be denied. So that's one thing. Go ahead. Well, no, I got a comment, too. I mean, I've been exposed to this experience like you, of course, not as much as you, but I was a speaker once at Roswell, and I was asked to give a generic presentation on, this is what I came up with, how to become a better sky watcher to identify what we considered then to be UFOs. So what do I do? I get up at the podium, packed house, you know, they seem to be favorable to my presentation, and all I was there to do in a friendly way, as you would believe, I was trying to help them identify the map of the sky. In other words, let's talk about what we know in the heavens. Let's identify Venus as a planet. Let's identify stars by name. So that once you know the sky map, anything that's not in that paradigm that you know is a star, planet, or whatever, is obviously something that's uh, beyond the scope of uh, a star map. So after that, I'll make it quick, and I wanted your comment. A number of people come up to me and said, you're not a believer. And I said, excuse me? I said, why would you even say that? And And I was nice to them. They were a little abrupt to me. And they basically said, I must be a government plant because I'm there to tell people that this is pretty much nonsense. I said, I never even said that. So isn't that amazing that, I mean, let's be honest here. And this is so simple because I know you and we can have this dialogue as maybe in other guests. I don't know them personally and we can't dig into it. But it's kind of unfair to me. I've got thick skin. I'm a New Yorker, too that I was trying to do the best I could in explaining. And don't you think I'm on the right path? identify the map of the heavens so that when you go out at night, you become a better reporter. In other words, in degrees and location and altitude and all the other things. I was just shocked that people would even think that I was there to take away from the whole spirit of Roswell. Your comment well, on such a too, long... Well, it's too story. bad they felt that way because I appreciate your knowledge, Steve. And well, that's of course, fine. I'm not the only one. Right. But there's always people coming, even these hearings yesterday, people say these, these, these military people that came forward were all set up to control mm-hmm. a narrative. I don't believe that. I think there are sincere people who really want the truth out there. And I Amen. think you are helping 
people, but we, there's a huge, and that's a whole other discussion, distrusting government. So anyone comes up out as an authority, even about the stars, is questioned. That's the problem yeah. with the times we're living. There are some genuine, honest to good people like yourself, I suppose, that want to make mm-hmm. a difference. So yeah. anyway. Well, next. I have thick skin. I mean, I only wanted you to mention. I only wanted to mention that because this interview is about you. But I couldn't help and resist when we're trying to show people how to become better reporters on scene. That was the response. But here we go with another comment that I'd like you to make. But can I ask you one question, Steve, before that comment? Because I was out sky watching and I had night vision glasses and they amplify the light. What is it? Mm Ten thousand times. And I saw this triangular looking thing in the sky. I didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. As I was looking at the triangle was pointing up and looking at the triangle suddenly flipped pointing down. Mm -hmm. Now, that was uh, uh, that kind of blew me away. It, would you sure. say that's something that's not a satellite? That's something else. Absolutely. And there you go. See again, but again, not, not to split airs. I agree with you totally in what you're talking about. It's just that right. learn the way. Like in other words, if here, if it's an if there's an accident scene, let's say vehicles collide and there's bodies in the road, I'm saying be the best reporter you can about what happened. As far as knowledge about speed, you know, some people are pretty detailed in order to hear it. Let me let me finally put this in perspective. If you see all these things, the average person on the street may not have any clue of what Venus is or a meteor or whatever. And they rightfully call them UFOs. So once we have some trained individuals, you know, fun, 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 learn about the sky. Let's take that three or four percent like what you saw. And then let's really dig into an analysis. Just like Peter Davenport used to do with the UFO Reporting Center, you know, you'd get some data from people or some serious information. But here we go. I wanted to talk and get your comment on some of the key points of yesterday's congressional hearing. Here we go. Officials must establish a safe and transparent reporting process. That's obvious. Ryan Graves, the Navy pilot, he clamored for that. And uh, describe in detail why that's important and what you think. Well, that is that's not a direct answer. Uh, these people are being intimidated by someone in the Pentagon not to give safe and clear reporting. So who's behind the cover-up? This is the bottom line here that was not addressed in the hearings Mm -hmm. because Rush couldn't name names publicly, but who's stopping? Who's intimidating people from coming forward? If you're flying along and you see a craft that's unidentified, you're going to report it. It might be Russian, Chinese, I doubt it, or something else. Mm-hmm. Who's not going to report it? And then these pilots are intimidated or discouraged from reporting something. And then they ca- talk about air safety, national security, and they're not allowed to report or intimidated reporting. Who's behind the cover-up? This is what we did not get to yesterday. It was very vague. Maybe the sure. Congress in these private meetings will find out. But You know, this is a legacy cover-up. It started in Roswell in 1947. So 76 years it's been passed on by maybe people like MJ-12 or whatever. It's time to call it off. Yesterday was the closest we have ever got in the history of this country to revealing some of the truth. And I think it's going to start to snowball. So does that answer your question? 
It sure does. Again, we're talking with Alan Steinfeld. He's the author of Making Contact, Preparing for the New Realities of Extraterrestrial Existence. And you're listening to the Dr. Sky Experience, where on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Mr. Gresh, finally, do you believe that our government is in possession of UAPs? Uh, absolutely, based on interviewing uh, over 40 witnesses over four years. And, and, and where? I know the exact locations, and, and those locations were provided to the Inspector General, and some of which to the Intelligence Committees. I actually have had the people with the first-hand knowledge um, provide a protected disclosure to the Inspector General. Has the U.S. government become aware of actual evidence of extraterrestrial, otherwise unexplained forms of intelligence? And if so, when do you think this first occurred? Uh, I like to use the term non-human. I don't like to denote origin. Keeps the aperture open, both scientifically. Right. Uh, uh, certainly, uh, like I've dis- discussed publicly uh, previously, 1930s. Um, what percentage of UAPs do you feel are adequately investigated by the U.S. government? Of the 5% that are reported. <laughs> um, I can only speak for uh, my personal leadership over at NGA. I tried to look at every report that came through that I could mm-hmm. triage. So You've stated that the government is in possession of potentially non-human spacecraft. Based on your experience and extensive conversations with experts, do you believe our government has made contact with intelligent extraterrestrials? Something I can't discuss in public setting. Um, Okay, I can't ask when you think this occurred. (laughs) Um, If you believe we have crashed craft, uh, stated earlier, do we have the bodies of the pilots who piloted this craft? As I've stated publicly already in my News Nation interview, uh, biologics came with some of these recoveries. Yeah. Were they, I guess, human or non-human biologics? Non-human, and that was the assessment of people uh, with direct knowledge on the program I talked to that are currently still on the program. And was this documentary evidence, this video, photos, eyewitness, like how would that be determined? The specific documentation I would have to talk to you in a skiff about. Here we go with the next one, which I think you might have answered already, and it says, and it says this emphatically, stigma associated with sightings silences possible witnesses. That's exactly what your theme was in, in this last conversation that we just had. Right, so what the stigma means, like you are ridiculed if you see a sighting. Well, who is doing the ridiculing? What honest pilot would not say to some higher up, you know, I just saw something unusual in the sky. And the higher-ups, I suppose, are saying, we don't want to hear about that. Don't report that. And even someone like Lou Alessandro, who is part of the A-TIPS program for the Pentagon, right. said, is there really a national... He told this, Danny Sheehan, who was his lawyer, said to this to me. He asked Alessandro, is there... Or Alessandro asked the higher up, is there really a national security threat, threat about these things in the sky? And the higher-ups said, no. There has been no outward threat to craft in the sky. So this whole myth about national security has been fabricated to keep the truth hidden. That's what I feel. There's been no major incident with with Mm -hmm. these things. They've come close to, like, show people the technology. But, you know, it's it's a levels and levels of cover-up, Steve. And finally, we are starting to dig our way down through, you know, below the surface. So anyway. Well, you're yeah. right on. You're spot on, brother. Yeah. You know, you and I agree wholeheartedly here. And here we go with a few more. Obviously, mm-hmm. this is a simple one to analyze, you know, analyze. But we don't know why. UFO spotted acceler- accelerating, that is, to supersonic speeds. This, of course, David Fravor with the famous Tic Tac situation. I talk about the Tic Tac situation to every audience that we have, showing them these videos, you know, simulated views of what this might have looked like. 
But I find that to be most amazing. I mean, talk a little bit about this Tic Tac, because how can something go from, let's say, 12, 15,000 feet into the ocean, mm-hmm. under the water, and within seconds up to 80,000 feet? That's amazing. That whole dynamic is just so incredible. What say you about the Tic Tac? Well, when you say how could it go, we're looking at this from a physics point of view that is out of date. Our world Mm -hmm. is run on Newtonian physics, power out, power in. You know, it's like it's 400 years old. Obviously, Mm -hmm. there's a science to these crafts because they're not filling up their gas tanks to get here from wherever they are. We don't understand the science. It's evidence that there's other technologies based on other ways of thinking, but we're not going to understand the science until we understand how they look at reality. You know, how, who are these beings creating these crafts? How do they create um, something that defies our laws of physics, but obviously don't, doesn't defy the laws of physics in the greater uh, scheme of things. So we're looking at the little corner of the room and someone say, well, there's a bigger room here. It's obvious, but no, we're just focused on a little corner because we're used to a very antiquated uh, physics. So we have to grow up and say, maybe there's more to the physical world. Maybe there's a technology that runs on, I don't know, hyperdrive, warp drive, maybe whatever Star Trek says, antimatter mm-hmm. wormholes. They, like Einstein Rosen Bridge says there's right. wormholes you can take through time and space. You just need enough energy. There's reverse engineering. If you listen to Bob Lazar, who I do think is legitimate, and there's been some other people mm-hmm. recently come out confirming what him, Lazar yeah. has said. Right. Mm-hmm. So yep. we have to understand there's more to heaven and earth than dreamt of in your philosophy, Steve Case. Well, yes, it's very interesting, and you're spot on again. And I, you and I are brothers in this whole concept, and we always will mm-hmm. be. But I got to add something. Here's a theory. I wanted to give you, I wanted to explain this and, and see what you think. This is my own personal theory here. We're studying physics, studying you know, aerodynamics, studying all kinds of things. Here, here's what I think is really going on here. Einstein, as we both know, talked about bending of space-time, warpage of space-time. Gravity is literally the warpage of space-time. What if this were possible? And I wanted to hear your comment. Let's say in the future we find out the existence and identification or source of these Tic Tacs is something like this. Maybe they're not coming from light years away. Maybe this is a manifestation, Alan, of our own future, meaning that the world we couldn't get along, nuclear war, climate change, asteroid impacts. When humans first started, we, of course, lived in caves. Now, what if the rest of the population after this horrific, or maybe even talking hundreds of thousands of years in the future, what if the remaining humankind went underground and what came into the play was in a kind of worship or, I don't know, reverence to AI? And the thing that AI can't do, it can't jump out of the box. What if AI melded with bio? And what if both of these things, with the great knowledge of AI, physics beyond our mind, blended with with the human bioform and formed maybe this sentient being, thus thus this tic-tac that had the ability to bend space-time. And I know this is pretty crazy sounding, but what if that was a manifestation of future Earth and the interaction of humankind biologically and with that of AI that they know how to move through time and space interdimensional as the 
David Grush said. What, what say you about my concept? Yeah. I mean, what do you well, think? Well, you know, we don't have to say, I mean, yes, the future humanity could do this, but maybe, and I lean towards this theory that the, the whole phenomenon is interdimensional. So it may just okay. be beings that have learned how to um, navigate through hyperspace. Hyperspace yes. is a reality. Hypercubes, the, you know, mm-hmm. fourth, fifth dimensional realities of vibration of yes. other levels of being. It's a reality. I think there probably is a technology that can open up wormholes that can travel beyond time and space through a hyperdimensional reality. And they may, these beings may even live in that other realm. And it might be right here in front of us that we're, because they're vibrating at a higher frequency, because all we're seeing is what they were vibrating at, they might be coming in and out of our space all the time. People report orbs. Some psychics or intuitives actually see these things. So we are immersed in a field of frequency. We know that just from our radios and Internet. So there Mm -hmm. are frequencies. I do lean towards these beings hyperdimensional. If you saw the movie Tear in the Sky by Carolyn Corey, she sees precipitations of an opening in the sky where these solid objects start to drop through out of nowhere. So portal technology, vortexes, this, you know, things that people go to Sedona to feel. I think Mm -hmm. this is a reality. I think this is the future of science. When we talk about science beyond Newtonian physics, we have to look at dimensional reality. And this is what Grush did mention. Yes. Well said. We have a few more minutes with you. Alan Steinfeld, he's an author of Making Contact. He knows his stuff. The book subtitled Preparing for the New Realities of Extraterrestrial Existence. Mr. Grush, I might have asked this before, but I want to make sure. Do you have any personal knowledge of someone who's possibly been injured working on legacy UAP reverse engineering? Yes. How are they injured? I can't get into specifics, but you can imagine assessing an, an unknown unknown. Uh, there's a lot of uh, potentialities you can't fully prepare for. Would it be safe to say that there could be a scenario today where you have um, an aircraft that crashes and it, because it's been involved in one program from one federal agency, and the but the but the agency that retrieves it does is not aware of that program and to them it, it appears alien in origin i mean that's a hypothetical situation i'm not aware of any uh historical situation that would match that that you described so you're not aware it has not happened that you're aware of that i'm aware of at one point you had said that there 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 uh, has been harmful activity or aggressive activity mm-hmm. has any of the activity um been aggressive been um hostile in your reports? Uh, I know of multiple colleagues of mine that got physically injured. Uh, I can't get into the specifics in a, an open environment, but at least the activity that I personally witnessed, and I have to be very careful here, because uh, you don't, you know, they tell you never to acknowledge tradecraft, right? So what I personally witnessed myself and my wife was very disturbing. You've said that the U.S. has intact spacecraft. You said that the government has alien bodies or alien species. Have you seen, have you, have you seen the spacecraft? I have to be careful to describe what I've seen uh, firsthand and not in this environment, but I, I could answer that question behind, behind closed doors. Yeah. And have you seen any of the bodies? That's something I've, I've not uh, witnessed myself. What agency, sub-agency, what contractors, who should be called into the next hearing about UAPs? I can give you a specific 
cooperative and hostile witness list of specific individuals uh, that were in those. And, and how soon can we get that list? I'm happy to provide that to you after the hearing. Super. Thank you. Let's go back to your book for a few moments. What's the message that you want to get out of there if there's one simple message? And maybe there's many multiple messages. What say you? Well, you know, so there's 11 different essays by 11 different experts. The commonality, and some take a scientific approach, some take a psychological approach, some are even talking to E.T.'s channeling, Daryl Anka, but there's a theme of telepathy. There's a telepathic communication that seems to happen with those that have made contact and humans. There's a there's a um, ability, a facility that opens up in humans when they are making contact. And some of this has been proven by the analysis of brains by Gary Nolan and Kit Green. There's a part of the hypothalamus that called the caput and the pundit, I think. I don't have the exact name right. That seem to be more active in contactees and remote viewers and People doing telepathy, there's a part of the white matter that first they thought was an abnormality, and now they see it's not abnormal. It's, it's a higher level of development. So we have the facility, and this is like a big point here and maybe shocking, that we are non-local, that human beings, and this might shock you, Steve, are the extraterrestrials. We did not emanate from Earth, but we are in a way, everywhere all the time. We're infinite beings, and we're using these human bodies to have experience in this 3D realm, but we're a part of forever. And, of course, near-death experiences are proving this, Mm -hmm. out-of-body experiences. And so we actually might be a part of these other realms, and we take on these forms because it's exciting. We learn, we experience, we're part of creation, experience in itself. It might be too spiritual for your audience, but that's sort of my belief where this all comes together as a higher evolutionary um, ascent of humanity. That's where we're at. We're at that turning point. Beyond aliens, who are we as infinite beings? And maybe we are those, and maybe we are multidimensional. Maybe we're ready to know how great and fantastic each of us really are. Well, Alan Steinfeld, you've said it so well. You're a friend and always will be. And I appreciate our contact that we had in Sedona with the Coast to Coast AM program with George Norrie. But more important than anything, making contact is available from St. Martin's Essentials. You can get it wherever good books are sold. We encourage you to do that as well, Alan, to keep our minds open to what's really out but, there. But Steve, you know, Steve, Steve, let me just ask you, does that last point make sense? Like, you know, it comes down to the question, did biology create consciousness or did consciousness create biology? I'm just curious where no, you absolutely. fall in on that. A- absolutely. And going back to Dr. Edgar Mitchell, I spent time, I'm sure, like maybe you've talked with him when he was alive. He's still a spiritual being. But what I got from him was, I didn't know this until I really researched him, he was one of the people with the Noetic Institute, and he talked about this thing called the quantum hologram, as you probably know. And it also yeah. talked about how everything is interconnected and that we're all spiritual beings and star children ourselves. And that brings up a great story that you've been discussing here on this particular program. And I want to say thank you. I hope we do this again, and let's keep digging. Uh, we can't say we hope that the government gives us answers. We're demanding answers. And I think more and more people are going to feel that way because we know that there's something about this subject that's not kooky, crazy, or just sci-fi. It's a reality. 
You're there to explain it. So stay on the line with us. This is a people's movement, Steve. Like all the great um, liberation movements of the past, it comes down to us. We need to demand the truth because we deserve that. Well, here's a quote from Henry David Thoreau back in 1854, and I quote, The universe is wider than our views of it. Direct your eye inward and you'll find a thousand regions in your mind yet undiscovered. Travel them and be expert in home cosmography. That is the creation of the universe, keeping your mind open. Thank you, Alan. I appreciate it. Is there a website that people need to go to if they want to learn more about you? What, what, what say you? Yeah, uh, my, my big focus is my YouTube channel. I do an interview a day. Yesterday, we had a watch party with some UFO experts looking at the hearings and commenting on it. That's YouTube.com slash New Realities. You can also look me up on Facebook, on, mm-hmm. on Twitter, on Instagram, Alan underscore Steinfeld. And you can email me if you have questions at newrealities at earthlink.net. And you know what I'll do for your listeners, Steve? If someone emails me at newrealities at earthlink.net, I will send them an introduction to my book, 30 pages to get them excited about what I wrote. So I'm putting that out there for the listeners, okay? Very generous. Alan, thank you for your time. And we're concluding this exciting interview. I'm sure everybody would agree. Of the Dr. Sky experience here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. What do we call it, Alan? The crown jewel of radio here on this iconic radio station broadcasting out of New York City, well over 100 years around the nation, around the world, and you bet, you and I both agree, out into the cosmos. What do we say? Always remember to keep your eyes to the skies. So, Alan, stay on the line as we go to the heartbreak. And, folks, Send me an email if you'd like at Dr. Sky Show, D-R-S-K-Y Show at gmail.com. Alan Seinfeld, thank you for your time and your great information. Talk soon.